Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Oh, let me um, pray, and then uh, I'm going to do a little recap of Daniel 1 through 5, and then I'm going to ask Nicole to read, and then we'll jump in if that works. All right, so let me pray. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for um, those who are on week two of the fast, for what you've already done, and we look forward to hearing the stories of breakthrough um, in the spiritual journey. So, Father, we just pray for... um, um, Revelation today, we pray that you would um, bring specific application to each one as we look into your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do is just take a quick look back at Daniel 1 through 5, and then uh, then we'll read this chapter and jump in. So, okay, so Daniel 1, um, Daniel, of course, goes into captivity with a lot of other young Israelites. Um, This is, right, this is after the Babylonian conquest, and this begins um, Daniel's life in the foreign land. Daniel 1, we also have the uh, Daniel and his friends being tested with food, um, and how they come through that, you know, they request vegetables and water, and they are found healthier than those who ate the king's foods. So Daniel 2, uh, Daniel 3, um, Daniel interprets um, King Nebuchadnezzar's troubling dream, and this reveals the rise and fall of future kingdoms. And again, Daniel has favor in God's eyes because Daniel is faithful, and Daniel... Three, in addition, we see Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego, um, refused to bow down to the golden image. And this is the account where they're in the fiery furnace, and there's a fourth person there. I like to call it another in a fire. And God saves them. And again, God shows up. Um, Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar has some crazy dreams. Um, some periods of madness and insanity. And Daniel interprets the dream, um, advises the king to repent, and Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the sovereignty of God. Daniel 5 is handwriting on the wall. Um, Belshazzar, the successor to Nebuchadnezzar, sees a mysterious hand. Again, Daniel interprets the dream which predicts the fall of Babylon, which brings us to Daniel 6. So most people think that Daniel is still a young man at this point, but he's not. He's been in captivity for over 60 years at this point, so he's probably around 80-ish at this time. And Nicole, if you're ready, I'm going to ask you to read Daniel 6 for us. Sure. Good morning. Uh, This is Daniel 6. Uh, I am reading out of the NIV version. 
It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Uh, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and in Force the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered. In accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, we cannot, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown in the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which could not, cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group of, to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the, with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At first, at the first dawn, light of dawn, the king got up and, and hurried to the, the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was, so, was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. 
Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all of the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will, ha will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Amen. Thanks, Nicole. Amen. And so if we if we look at the end, right, God wins, of course, comes through. Uh, let's take a look. Um, all right. So, okay, so as this chapter starts out, uh, we see that Daniel is one of three leaders directly under Darius. And obviously Daniel is brilliant. He shines you know, above the other two leaders because he had an excellent spirit. Daniel has a fantastic attitude. And remember, this is about 50 years of service in already. So Daniel's been doing this for a while, but he's still um, this man of excellence. He has a great attitude. And because of this, he is the object of attack. So the other leaders who are probably native to the land are not happy with this exile who has such favor. And it goes on to say they could find no charge of fault because he was faithful. Now, Daniel was such a faithful man that those who looked for a flaw in his actions or his character couldn't find anything. If we think about, you know, political candidates nowadays, um, anyone running for office, you know, everyone's under scrutiny. But imagine looking um, as hard as you can at a public servant who's been in office for 50 years and find nothing wrong, right? He had no fraudulent expense accounts, no intern scandals, no shady business deals, uh, no gifts from lobbyists, no accusations from his staff. Right? Daniel has none of that. So there's no skeletons in his closet. And I like to use the term, Daniel was above reproach. His enemies examined his life and found nothing to attack. So here's the kicker. They had to make up something, right? They had to manufacture a problem. So let's take a closer look at Daniel. So how was Daniel above reproach? One, he was faithful. He had character, right? One of our fusion values. He was trustworthy, had integrity, all of those fall under character. So the question is, how can we be like Daniel, right? How can we be above reproach? You know, there's a saying that goes, the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching, right? What happens at two o'clock in the morning? So let's look at a bunch of principles that we can get from Daniel's life and use that as kind of a template of how we can be above reproach. So the first one is honesty and integrity. We know that Daniel was a man of honesty and integrity. Um, 2 Corinthians 8.21 says, For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man, so in the realm of our lives. 
So we should act with honesty and transparency in everything we do. We should keep our word and our commitments. And we should avoid deceit, dishonesty, even in the small things. I don't know if you remember, but about a week ago, we spoke about the small things. What are the little things that could possibly derail our lives? So number one, integrity and honesty. Um, two, Daniel was committed, so he had commitment, and he was faithful. Um, a few references for you. Second Timothy 2.13 says, He remains faithful when we are faithless. To the summary, so if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So because God is faithful, right, we should be faithful too. God has never not been faithful. At 1 Samuel 12.24 be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Uh, another one, Luke 16.10, be faithful with a little. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So be committed to your principles and values. Stay true to your beliefs and faith. Again, even in challenging situations like Daniel, and demonstrate consistency in your character. Right, so number two, be faithful and committed. Okay, number three, um, be diligent and show excellence. Um, there's a verse, and the the exact wording is Roman, it's Romans 6 and 19 says, everyone knows you have, you have obeyed the teaching you have, you received. I'm happy with you because of this, but I want you to be wise about good things and pure about sinful things. And another way to say that is, is be excellent in what is good, be innocent of evil. So work diligently in your responsibilities and tasks, right? That is excellence in everything we do. Strive for excellence in your work and your personal life and continually seek to improve and excel in your endeavors. So even though Daniel was in exile, he was there against his will. He still um, strived for excellence. He strived, he was diligent in everything he did because it brought honor to God. Um, number four. I don't know about you, but my allergies are killing me in the last few days, so I apologize. And number four is respect and humility. James 4, 6 through 10 says, a summary of that is God shows favor to the humble, right? So we need to treat others with respect and kindness. We have to remain humble and avoid arrogance. We need to listen actively to others, just like Daniel, even though he was in a situation he didn't choose, he chose to listen, he chose to respect, he chose to value other people's perspectives. Um, number five, so the fifth thing that makes Daniel above reproach is his compliance with the laws and regulations. So... Uh, Mark 12, 17 says, Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what he Caesar's, to God what he's God's. <clears throat> so we are called to 
follow the laws and regulations governing our actions, right? Avoid engaging in activities that are unethical or illegal, right? So throughout Daniel, um, there were some times where Daniel chose to make a stand, but he did that in a respectful way. And sometimes, you know, there were consequences. But overall, Daniel was in compliance with what was expected of him. Um, number six, Daniel was accountable, right? So James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another in trust. Proverbs 27.17 says, surround yourself with those who better you. So take responsibility for your actions and decisions, just like Daniel. Daniel um, was committed to pray. He didn't change that. But then when he had broken the law, right, he was accountable. But we know that ultimately God came through, but Daniel um, remained true to the system that was in place in terms of the accountability. Um, we need to learn from our mistakes and strive to grow personally and professionally. Okay, so number seven, um, Daniel had courage and conviction. So Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And for Daniel, this is really true, right? Because he had to go somewhere. He was taken somewhere. And so he stood firm in his convictions, even when it meant facing challenges, right? He had the courage to do what was right, even when it was difficult, right? That is character, right? Um, number eight, um, Daniel had generosity. He was generous and he had compassion, First um, John three sixteen to eighteen says, "This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, there is love with words. It is not love with words of speech, but with actions and in truth." And so our lives tell a story, right? And Daniel's life told a story. And ultimately, um, God's name was made famous because of that. And so what story are we telling through our generosity and our compassion or lack thereof? So ultimately, demonstrate kindness and compassion towards others. Be generous with your time, your resources, your talents. All right, so serve, um, serve in your office, serve at church, serve your family, right? There's things you can do. Um, number nine, and this might be one of the most important, is that Daniel had a spiritual life, right? Daniel had a relationship with God, and he practiced that relationship. So he was proactive in his faith. You know, for us, it's soaping, worship, but Daniel prayed several times a day and it was through through that relationship that he was, he was able to maintain 
um, all of these characteristics that we see. Uh, we should seek guidance from the Bible and Christian mentors in making decisions. So we don't do life alone. We do it with others. So we're in groups. You know, we are doing life together. So who are those people that are speaking into your spiritual life? All right, so that's the first part. So Daniel was above reproach. So as we go a little further, um, it says, so all of these governors and satraps, et cetera, were trying to find issue with Daniel. They couldn't find any because Daniel was sinless. Um, he was a man of integrity. Um, he was blameless in the conduct of his professional life. So these men knew Daniel well, right? They knew they couldn't find anything wrong. They knew they couldn't trap him into do, doing something wrong. But they also knew that he would be faithful to his God. And, you know, us, every one of us as Christians should consider that same thing. You know, we are called to be faithful to God. And what does that mean? And what might the cost be for us one day? And, um, you know, there are things that the world is going to look at us and see and so what story is our life telling? You know, is there, you know, um, is there any fault to be found in us? And I'm sure there is. <clears throat> and so I think Daniel is calling us to a higher standard. He's calling us to do, be to do better, especially as we journey with God. Uh, a little bit further in Daniel 6, 10 through 15, um, so at this point, we've, we've figured out that Daniel's faithfulness has caused him to be condemned to the lion's den. So Daniel was confronted with a test of loyalties, right? He was a loyal subject to the king, yet he knew that the king um, deserved a higher loyalty, right? So he had this high loyalty to the king. Daniel also refused to give to the government the measure of obedience that belonged to God alone. Right, so don't get confused in this, right? This is about values, Christian values. So Daniel would not compromise on his value of worshiping the one true God. Um, you could say that you know, it was risky for Daniel to pray as was his custom. But Daniel knew that the safest thing he could do was to radically obey God, right? So even though there was risk in it because there was consequences, the safest thing he could do was actually worship the one true God. Um, so Daniel didn't let the decree change his actions one way or another, right? He didn't do more praying or less praying continued in his excellent prayer life. Um, there was danger in both directions, right? So if you prayed less, well, you're praying less. That's not good. And um, if you compromised and didn't do it, right, there was danger in that direction too. So let's take a look at um, Daniel's prayer life and his customs. So a um, couple of things here. 
So Daniel prayed, it says, in his upper room. Um, let me just see what the... Right. So this was his private time, right? There was no intention to impress others. Um, nobody was watching him. This was in his private place. Um, now he prayed with his window open toward Jerusalem, remembering the place of sacrifice, even when there was no sacrifice. So for Daniel, he was a praying according to scripture. Um, in 1 Kings 8, Solomon asked God to give special notice to the prayers of his people when they prayed towards Jerusalem. So uh, 1 Kings 8 verse 30 says, and may you hear the supplication of your servant and your people Israel when they pray towards this place. So Daniel is following the directions of the time. Um, it says he knelt on his knees praying, you know, just as Jesus often did. Um, Luke twenty two forty one, as Stephen did, Acts seven sixty, as Peter did, Acts nine forty. As Paul and other leaders in the church did, Acts 20, 36, and Luke, Acts 21, 5. So, praying in a different posture is something we see Daniel doing. We've seen these various leaders doing. Why do we do that? It puts us in a different place of submission, a different place of connection as we pray. So, um, that's a little bit on Daniel's prayer life. All right. So, um, the men go, they find Daniel praying, asking God for help, um, just as they knew they would, right? So, they had set this up. And for Daniel, prayer was both communion with God and asking God for his will to be done, right? Um, he was asking for his needs to be met. Um, it goes on to say, um, they then said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. And the king heard this. He was greatly distressed. Now, why was he distressed? Well, one, because... Daniel was someone he favored, right? Daniel was someone who had shown excellence. Um, Daniel had a long track record. And so basically the king is saying um, that he was displeased with himself. So he knows that he messed up by agreeing to this decree. And instead of blaming others, King Darius knows that he was at fault. So this is actually admirable thing, admirable, admirable thing for someone who doesn't serve Daniel's God, right? So um, in today's experience, we would say that Holy Spirit is working, and most likely he was, right? Um, Darius was beginning to understand that there was something different about Daniel. And we know that he wasn't happy with Daniel's enemies, but he also knew that ultimately he was responsible for what was about to happen. So like Darius, you know, our foolish decisions will often haunt us, right? Often all we can do is pray and ask God to be merciful 
and to miraculously intervene when we make dumb decisions, right? Because we're going to pay the stupid tax. So it goes on to say he labored um, until sundown. And so the reason for that was in ancient custom, executions were carried out on the evening of the day that the accusation was made and found valid. Right, so long story short, we know that God sends an angel, uh, closes the mouth of the lions, and Daniel is saved. And um, before this, Darius says, um, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. So Darius has faith. And that faith was born out of Daniel's trust in the Lord, right? So Darius is saying, I tried my best to save you, but now it's up to your God. And so this is Daniel's testimony, right? So many of us occasionally display godly character or wisdom in the world, but then we counteract that by doing something dumb, right? Um, talking about myself. So Daniel's testimony was made by continual servants, by consistency, by all those things we listed before, you know, the things that made him above reproach. So my question is, what story does your testimony tell? Is it like Daniel or not, right? It's going to be different. And so your story up till today is history, your story from today is being written. And so your testimony doesn't have to remain the same as what it's been, right? Because <clears throat> today it could be the decided decision maker where you go, I'm done with my old testimony. I want to be like Daniel. I want to be a person whose testimony draws others into faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. So, Question, do we spend time with God all the time like Daniel or are we consumer prayers, right? I need this. God, I, this happened. Um, so what faith skills are habit for us or are they just there when we are facing a lion's den, right? So God is calling us to be in a relationship with him all the time. He's calling us to be praying all the time. He's calling us to be people of worship, right? And if we can learn those skills, when we do face the lion's dens, it's not going to be, a, you know, a tragedy of epic proportions, even though it might be hard. So, of course, we know Daniel is found alive. You know, we know God has come through. And I'm going to jump a little bit ahead. <clears throat> but Darius issues a decree and says, all nations and all peoples in every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders. 
in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So obviously Darius gets it right that Daniel's God is the one true God. And so he writes about it. He broadcasts it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I want to... Excuse me. Um, so as we wrap up, I'd like to display you. Hold on one second. I had to I had to sneeze, unfortunately. So I mean, I want to share something with you really quick. Um in case you didn't quite get it, I'd like to share a little video with you. And let me see if I can bring this up real quick. And this is, way to go. Uh, desktop. Can you guys see that? All right, so this is Daniel 3. Um, from Grayson, who's seven, and let's just take a listen because I think this applies throughout the book of Daniel. When do I start? Go ahead. When we just read, we just read, um, this the couple sent the, like the page of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the meaning of the story is even if they're a gods that you think might be bigger and more powerful than God. Never underestimate the best person and the strongest and the most holy and the one who will always do good to you. Never underestimate him. Even if you think someone might be stronger Never think that, because God is a God. He died on the cross for our sins. He died and came back to life. I've never seen any other man come back to life. And he turned, like, two fish and a piece of bread to feed 5,000 people. If he can do that, he can surely save you mm. from just some little thing. So never underestimate God. Because he is the greatest. He sure is. All and right. Can you tell so me about just stop the there. moral okay. of... All right. So if you didn't get it, that's a seven-year-old who was interpreting Daniel 3 for us, but it completely applied here, right? So um, God is great. God is good, right? And God does incredible things. And so as we look at the life of Daniel... You know, he's calling us to our high standard. He's calling us to recognize that he is the one true God. And so God is sovereign. You know, even when bad things are happening, you know, we know that justice always prevails because God is, you know, a God of um, love. He's a God of who faces his accusers and his consequences for them. We know that prayer is a priority. We know that God is with us, and we know that just like Daniel, God is calling us to have courage and adversity. So 
Um, thank you, Grayson, for helping us with that little video. Um, we appreciate that. I hope that for each one of you, um, you have some takeaways and some questions um, that God is maybe calling you, things that he wants you to uh, think about, things that you might want to change uh, for all of us, right? We have been called to a higher state. So thank you for um, listening today. And let me pray and I'll get you guys going. So, Father, we thank you um, that you are, you know, you are a fantastic God who um, rules, has ruled through the generations and thousands of years, and you remain the same. And for Daniel, Father, you showed up through the 85 years of his life, time and time again. And so, Father, we are thankful that, like Grayson said, you sent your son to save us, that you have done everything possible to um, be in relationship with us. And so, Father, we thank you for, for what you have done. We thank you for Daniel's life. We pray that we, too, um, could be above reproach, that when others look at us, Father, we would they would see us blameless and that our lives would tell a story. Our lives would be a testimony. So, Father, I just pray that today... You would allow us to um, be the be those people that you've called us to, Father, that you would show us things that you would want us to change. Father, I pray as we continue in the spiritual journey of the Daniel fast that you would continue to bless, you would con continue to bring revelation. And so, Father, we thank you for this day, and I pray for each one that you would just be with them um, in whatever situation they might face um, today and this week. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.